Thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far. The hustle and grind continues as we're now into season two of 52 Weeks of Hustle. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple. I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, and for those individuals in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week. When you think of sports and business and how you grow up in your life around both, many times it's inevitable that you end up doing one or the other or even both. And our next guest did just that and has had a tremendous career. I'm excited to welcome Courtney Rice, Vice President of Central at Revel XP. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Courtney, I'm certainly excited for our conversation and looking forward to all the advice you can provide. And before diving into your illustrious career, let's talk about now. You recently took on a new role with Revel XP, and Revel XP really focuses on having a winning playbook for all of it, whether it be pre, post, in-game, or non-game day hospitality solutions that really help drive incremental revenue for universities, teams, and venues. So can you provide the listeners just a quick elevator pitch of Revel XP? Yeah, it's such a good question. I think it's ever evolving, which is the exciting thing about being a part of Revel XP. But Revel XP is really end-to-end premium hospitality services. Like you said, whether it's on game day, non-game day, um, we really try to fit into all of those areas. And so if you think about, um, you know, turnkey tailgating, ticket services, pre-event rentals throughout the market, Um, we are all over the place and what we can do to help our partners. And and as it stands today, we we do premium hospitality services for over 60 collegiate and professional sports teams. Um, So it's been really exciting. It's it's ever evolving. And I think you'll see Rebel XP continue to add in new pieces like away trips and concierge services and singular events like the Super Bowl and college football playoffs come into our our makeup of what we really do to activate. And you kind of you know alluded to it, but you, pretty crazy days, pretty busy. And I know you're just several months in, but what does a day-to-day and your overall responsibilities look like? Yeah, it's um, the furthest thing away from black and white. Uh, <laughs> it's changing a lot. You know, in my current role, um, as it stands today, I really focus on our partnerships that expand through the central region. So think Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, um, but also some of our national partnerships um, with Top Golf Live, the college football playoffs, and what we do on the premium side for them. Um, so I'll focus on partner relations and how we cultivate those and, and bring revenue for, for them on a game day or non-game day. Um, but then also it's just about growing our team. Um, if you look online for Rebel XP, you're going to see a lot of job postings. And so recruiting some of the best people that we can find in the industry to, to come in and help us build this from ground zero. I spend a lot of time 
working on that to make sure we have the right people in place. You know, you talk about people and, and your point online, you certainly know Revo XP is staffing up looking for the best talent. So two quick questions on that. What is your sales pitch on why people should consider working for Revo XP? Yeah, um, great question. I think there's a, a couple things on that. I think we cultivate a culture of growth and strong leadership. And so if you want to be a part of that and work with great people that, you know, are going to be invested in you from the beginning, I think come to Rebel XP. Also think if you want to have the opportunity to have your hands in multiple things and focus on multiple initiatives in a given day, week, you have that chance. It's not black and white. So you get this chance to be really diversified in your career and focus on multiple things every single day. And so I think if you have that appetite to be challenged and expanded and what your scope is, Revel XP is that place. You know, and along those lines, Courtney, throughout your career, you've certainly have recruited, hired, uh, and ultimately trained and developed a lot of the next best superstars and a lot of superstars in this industry. And so second part of that question is what are some of the key characteristics that you are always looking for in the top level talent? Yeah. Um, God, there's so many I could probably say, but I think a big one with where we stand today with Revel is hustle is huge. Um, I think we want people that are willing to get gritty and know what that means. Um, but also I think passionate about being in the sports business industry and also having innovation and how we're going to do that. Um, you know, you talk about technology, you talk about the way we work with our partners and expand how we're, we're cultivating revenue for them, being innovative and creating that experience and telling that story, I think is so important. And so somebody with that forward thinking mindset, I think it's important in our. And you certainly have taken those characteristics to heart in your career, you know, and you've always been known to, to hustle, have that passion for your craft and certainly innovation. We'll dive into that from your Sacramento days. And, you know, finally with Revel XP, you, you mentioned it early on, you, you're already over 60 customers. It's grown quick. It's grown very fast. You know, back in 2018, there were six properties. So, you know, 10X in a very short time frame, mind you, with the pandemic in between of that. So, you know, early on and being part of Revel XP, why do you feel like the organization is just having so much success? Yeah, it's a good question. I think you really have to look at the history of how Revel XP was formed. You know, we are eight months old. We were formed in late 2020. But all the companies that are under the Revel XP umbrella have longstanding partnerships that span over decades. And so from tailgate guys to pre to colonnade to complex sports, like all four of those companies have built these 60 partnerships in different ways. And now they're all under one umbrella. So while we have grown really fast, we've spent, and a lot of people in the company have spent decades building those partnerships to be longstanding. And now they're part of what we're doing and adding into to Rebel XP. No, absolutely. And Courtney, it's certainly great insight and certainly a top company for everyone to keep their eyes on moving forward. And I want to make sure we hit on that first to give the listeners a glimpse into now. So now let's go back to the beginning. You know, I mentioned that you grew up around business and sports in Indianapolis, Indiana. Both your parents were senior executives with your dad in healthcare and sales and marketing, and your mother is the COO of a credit union. So was it instilled in you early on that some sort of business was going to be a part of your career? You know, looking back, I, I think so. Uh, I really think when I was younger, my parents made sure I was in sports. Um, and that really helped build the foundation that I think I have today um, in so many ways, from being able to take feedback to understanding what it means to get gritty so that you can find success. And um, I think for them, they, 
they instilled that in me through getting me into sports, but then also seeing how they balanced work and personal life, which is an ever evolving thing, um, really has me, the mindset I have today is probably came from that. You know, and to the point you brought up hustle early on and, and, you know, kind of work life and understanding that, that sports takes a lot of hustle and passion and effort, but certainly does the business and you, you growing up around your parents that are working a lot of non-traditional hours, nights, weekends, but still being there and being part of you and your siblings sports careers. And so with both your parents in business while, while raising that family, how has work ethic, you know, been taught to you certainly early on in your age? Yeah. I mean, I think it's extremely important and how they, they showcase that, you know, I think my parents never missed one of my soccer games all the way through college, which is pretty crazy with three kids to be able to balance that. But then, you know, seeing my dad get his master's when we were all younger and, and how he put in that time and made that effort. And I think it's all about having an intentional plan every day. And so I've watched them do that. And now I think that's part of my routine and that goes right into work, work ethic. If you are intentional with your days and find the balance that works for you, you're going to be efficient and you're going to be able to, to accomplish what you need to. Absolutely. And in addition, you mentioned you played soccer, you, you were a middle child, you're always playing sports. You go to play collegiate soccer at Illinois state university for three seasons. So a couple of questions on that. What position did you play? And looking back at being a collegiate athlete, what were some key learnings that you still apply to your every day? Yeah. Um, I played goalkeeper, which most people are surprised about. Um, so I played that since I was, um, and so never changed positions. It's so interesting when I got into to college as a student athlete, I was not prepared at all. Travis, um, I, my first semester, I almost was academically ineligible to play because I didn't go to classes. I slept in late. I did the conditioning and stuff, but I really didn't put in my all. And it was a rude awakening for yep. me with my family, with my coaches, with my athletic, um, academic advisor. So I think it taught me that I need to get my shit together. Excuse my language. Yeah. I need to be passionate about what I want to accomplish. And it's not just like a cakewalk every day. Right. And that certainly goes to show in this business, right? Like we've seen a lot, you know, and probably too many times than we want to with people saying, oh, it's, I wanted this sports job. I got it. And now I, you know, like kind of look at it as a job and not a career and put the time and effort. Um, quick sports talk. So I've, I've always heard, I, I, you know, played soccer when I was a really little kid, but, but didn't play, you know, growing up. I've always heard during penalty kicks, there's a lot of strategy from a goalkeeper, so what, what is your vision? If you're sitting there as a goalkeeper, here's a penalty kick. The match is one, one, you know, this could end it one way or another. What, what's the strategy from a goalkeeper's perspective? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's changed over the last decade, but I can give you some insight. One, I would ask, have you seen when Brianna Scurry, do you know who that is? The goalkeeper for yep. the U.S. when they won um, the world cup how far she came off the line during the penalty kicks. Right. So one, we were trained on that um, as they're about to kick the ball, being able to move forward. Mm. Okay. To break space. But then it's also watching the body language and the, the eyes of the person that's about to take the kick and try to determine which way they're going to go. And sometimes you just get really lucky, but one way or another, you're diving left or right. Right. You're going to try to be strategic about it. You're going to try to break down that space, but at the end of the day, sometimes it's just a little luck. Cause it's crazy as a fan, you know, you're watching that. I'm sure you've watched, you know, hundreds of matches in your lifetime where, you know, the guy, the guy or the girl 
dives right, the kick goes left. And you think like, what happened? But it's all a strategy, right? And you know, to your point, maybe there is some luck, but there's certainly strategy. And, you know, I'm, I assume that's probably, you've taken some of that strategy and applied to meeting with business decision makers, you know, and, and seeing their body language and understanding that. So very cool and, and fascinating. So now you're having a successful collegiate career, you know, after you kind of quote unquote, got your shit together, right? Um, sales rejection comes and that is, you know, in, in rejections in many times back in your collegiate career, you had a bad injury that derailed your career. And so, however, you looked at as, as an opportunity and you did your research, realized back home at the university in Indianapolis, they had a sports marketing program. So you transferred there and ended up graduating from university of Indianapolis. And so during your time there, you received an internship with the Indiana Pacers that has really helped set your career path in motion. So walk the listeners through that experience. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was 21 when I transferred and it was really uncomfortable moving from a place of familiarity into a new university, not being able to play sports. And I think I knew when I was making that transition that I didn't want to leave sports in whatever capacity that would look like. And so I was like, well, let's get back to Indianapolis. There's the Colts, there's the Pacers, there's a minor league baseball team. Like I can find something and then finish out my degree. And so in one of my sports marketing classes, there's somebody that had just finished an internship and they say the industry is so small and it's who you know to get these roles. And so I asked, can you introduce me to the hiring manager? I see they have internships posted for the summer and I got a new suit. I showed up to had a ton of notes taken on the person hiring me and I just gave it my all. And I was really fortunate to get that for six months, Um, sat right next to the inside sales room with a lot of people in that room that are in leadership roles around the country right now. So I got my glimpse into what inside sales would look like. And I'd be lying if I said day one, I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Because I don't think when I was in college, it was fully explained every single aspect of getting into sports sales. And so I know that's changed a lot. And I think that's really important. So you can get into the career path you want to, but that internship helped me, helped me create my brand there. And so when I wanted to go back and do inside sales, they already knew who I was. I had the end with a referral from somebody that was my boss um, on the community and player relations side. And so it just, it all worked together to, to build my brand with the team and, and get rolling at inside sales. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Courtney Rice, Vice President of Central at Revel XP. 
And so Courtney, between your internship there with the Pacers and, and certainly working in the restaurant industry, you know, as a job in college, you decided ultimately, right, you know, to give sales a shot. You didn't know if it was for you, but you started inside sales with a previous 52 weeks of hustle guest, Charlie Sloniker. And so what were some key learnings early on that really helped separate yourself from everyone else? I mean, I got uncomfortable. I did not want to make a hundred and plus calls a day, but I knew that's what I needed to do to be successful. And I was going to learn the best of my ability. So I got uncomfortable. I made the calls. I found new ways to network. I think, you know, by the time I left the Pacers and also say, Charlie is phenomenal. The way he coaches and just how bought in he was when we all started a a lot of us from my inside sales class still have a relationship with him. And so uh, a side note, but I also think I found a way to sell that worked for me. Um, so I hustled, I was competitive, um, from my background, but then I wanted to work off of referrals. So I networked in Indianapolis. I asked people for referrals. I leveraged my network. And I, my goal was like, I'm never going to make a hundred calls again because I'm talking to warm, warm leads every day. And I was making cold calls every day. So like, that's the, the reality of it but I wasn't making a hundred anymore because I was getting referred in to all these different businesses and C-level executives and able to have that warm conversation and continue to, to parlay that into more conversations. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. And, you know, anybody that's ever been a part of my trainings or, or talked to me and I always say, you know, the number one sourcing campaign in this business should be referrals every year. Typically it's top five, but it's never number one, quite frankly, because people just don't ask, right? And it's it's so much easier from a warm call perspective. So what would be your advice to listeners? You know, everybody's been trained, hey, you should ask for referrals. Most, if not all salespeople realize that referrals are pretty easy to come by and it's so much better to make those calls, but they just, you know, they forget about it. They just don't do it. What's your advice on on really finding that way to say, you know what? Put it, put it on your phone, put it on your computer, but you need to ask every single time. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of sellers make assumptions. So somebody's buying from you. They're not buying from you. You assume they're, they're not going to want to send somebody else to spend money with me, or they're not going to buy from me. So why would they share somebody else that would? So I would remove those assumptions. And the worst thing they can say is no, it's all about your positioning give them the out, like, Hey, no big deal. Like I just thought I would ask because as you know, it's easier to talk to somebody that's warm than a random cold call. So I think you just got to ask and give them thought joggers on who it could be. And all it takes is one person that will open their network up to you. And that's what I stumbled into at the Pacers. I asked every single person and there was a guy that took me under his wing and every week I was at networking. So it just takes one. That's what I always kind of say is like, you know, you, you just keep asking and yes, you're going to hear no's, but that's the worst thing that can happen. But then one day somebody's going to open their, you know, the old school language, their Rolodex, yeah. and they just start giving you everybody and their brother. And, you know, you talked about assumptions and, you know, I think there's a lot of assumptions in the sales business and the sales industry, and you've certainly have been successful in sales, but sometimes one of the assumptions is, is, you know, maybe from a, a female perspective that they're a bit nervous to get into sales. So what is your advice to not only women, but anyone that wants to be successful at sales? Yeah, um, such a good question. And I think as an industry, we're getting a lot better at diversifying our candidate pool and bringing in new people, especially women. You know, I, I sense in a lot of my mentor conversations with different people across the industry that there's almost this imposter syndrome of like, oh, I can't do that. Or they're second guessing themselves. And so a lot of the times I'm like, read Presence by a- Amy Cuddy. Like, 
she is phenomenal. Her TED talk is amazing about feeling like an imposter and faking it until you miss it. And I feel like when I started in sales, I was like, God, I'm not going to be good at this, but I faked it. And I found the confidence and I pushed myself to be uncomfortable. And that is what was the turning point for me. And so I think if you want to be in sport business and you're, you feel like you can be successful in sales, like you got to commit to it. And it doesn't matter if you're male, female, whatever it is, like we have successful people across the entire organization and getting uncomfortable and finding people that are allies, I think is really important and seeing women in executive role. You know, I was the only woman on my inside sales team. So that was a little daunting at first and my personality catered fine to that, but not everybody's personality feels that way. So I also think it starts at the top. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you ultimately went on to sell, you know, at a high level for over two years with the Pacers. And then you had the opportunity to get into leadership. Why did you know leadership was the right fit and the right career path for you? Yeah, I, you know, I think I'm really passionate about growing those around me. Um, You know, you think about all the things you're proud of in your, your career. And I really don't think it ever comes down to like, I sold this much with the Pacers. I feel like now it's, I have all these people in my network that I talk to every week that we've grown each other together through leadership, whether they were in leadership with me or they were selling like it's a two way street. And so I think that mentorship and coaching is just very gratifying for me. Um, and so I knew that and I knew I wanted to be challenged to, to try something new. Felt like I mastered sales a little bit. Yeah. Well, and try something new. You certainly did that as, as you got into leadership, you get the call to become the manager of inside sales with the Sacramento Kings. And now first, you know, growing up, going to school right there around home for the most part, working for kind of a hometown team. California is quite the distance from Indiana and Illinois where you'd spent your entire life. So how hard was it from a personal standpoint to make that move? And, and ultimately, what's your advice to some of the listeners that may be in that same situation one day? Yeah, it was scary. Um, I was terrified moving out there. I'd been to California once to go to Napa. So zero expectation other than that Sacramento felt like a Midwest city in California, but I didn't know anybody. Um, so it was a huge risk and a, a huge chance um, at my age and where I was at, I had was not in a relationship. I'm now married. Like It was an easy decision for me to invest in what I felt was important, which was my career at the time and and growing that out. So, um, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. I met my husband three weeks after moving here. So you talk about moving to a new city. Like, I don't know if I had that new city experience. Like most people, I had my future husband the month then, but I think my advice would be to take the risk. Like what's the worst that's going to happen. It doesn't work when you move back home and you do something and that's what you were meant to experience. And I've said this 15 times, but like, I am a huge believer in getting uncomfortable. And there's this Ted talk, um, called comfort will ruin your life by Bill Ekstrom. And it resonates with me so much that I want to get uncomfortable and challenge myself. And that that's what motivates me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you being uncomfortable and then also surrounding yourself with good people. And that's what you certainly did with the Kings. You end up working there for almost six years. You held four different positions, including the last one as the senior director of ticket sales and premium membership. So what do you feel like you did on a consistent basis to continue to excel your career there within that Kings organization? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing, and I probably could have said this on the last one too, is like, it's not all about title and money who you work with and for is crucial 
to your happiness, to your growth, whatever it may be. And so I think I was really fortunate to work with amazing people that gave me critical feedback that I needed, uh, but also empowered me to have autonomy and make decisions. And so um, I'm definitely somebody that's like, I see a gap. I'm going to go do like, go fill this yep. hole that we have and like, let me run with it. And I feel like when I work for Phil and then most recently, Justin Peck is like, they let me do that and empowered me. And that's really what's led to to my success. And I couldn't agree more with your statement. You know, people lead money and title and responsibility. They follow as long as you're around the, the right people. And so what were some of your key learnings throughout your leadership experience that you've been able to deliver on such a consistent basis? Yeah, I think in an individualized approach is critical. Um, whether that's how my boss is leading me, like everybody is different and motivated differently. And so that's important. I think clear expectations and communication. Everybody thrives on over-communication and it's the easiest way to lose buy-in and to lose motivation. And so I think defining those things as often as you need to is very important so people know what their expectations are of them and then they can communicate the same thing back to you. I think I see leadership as a partnership. Uh, I don't think I need to come in and tell you everything to do. I would rather we collaborate on it and I'm going to hold you accountable, but we're agreeing to that accountability and you're providing me feedback just the same. Like it's not a a one-way street here. So I try to use that consistently. Um, And I really just, I want everybody to grow. They want the way they want to. So understanding that I think is really important. The individual approach is also key. And, you know, I, I previously talked to a 52 Weeks of Hustle guest who you've mentioned, Justin Peckis out of the Kings, who you worked right alongside for many years. And we talked about the Kings being known to be innovative and the first to the dance with different vendors and technology. So along those lines, why do you think it's so important to have self-awareness and presence in the way you interact with customers? Yeah, I mean, the first five seconds of a conversation, they formed an opinion on So what you do to communicate with them effectively is really critical. Um, You know, you talk technology and innovation. I think there has to be an intentional plan with that. You can't just send video messages out that aren't professional. Um, You've really got to have a strategy to it. So um, I think when communicating with clients, the biggest thing I've noticed that's changed in the consumer buying experience is that a customized approach is craved by everybody. And so doing your research through technology before you do outreach, that you can customize that approach um, and resonate with that singular person and not make them feel like they're just a number in the buying process or the sales process, I think is the the biggest thing that you're going to see continue to, to trend. No, absolutely. And so what's your advice on taking that technology and digital outreach really to that next level to gain an advantage in the overall sales and development process? Yeah, I mean... At the Kings, our top three sellers used every single tool that we had, I would say 80% of the time. So I think, and I'm going to quote Lance Tyson now, but predictable process, predictable result. You know, I think that's really important. Um, And so with technology being predictable with it, every single person gets a video message. Every single person gets a customized gift that you've sourced through LinkedIn networking and searching. And so leveraging that and being creative, and how you do that, um, you know, at the Kings, somebody sent a Star Wars video out because the guy was a Star Wars fan on his company page. Yeah. So leveraging it that way, I think, works really well. You know, it's almost like you talked about in leadership, individual, you know, going at each 
potential customer and prospect in an individual way, find out what they like, what they enjoy. And you are talking about innovation. You're also part of opening a brand new arena in the Golden One Center there in Sacramento. So how was that experience for you? It was really fun. There was a lot of unknowns. I think for anybody that's opened a new arena, you don't have answers until right before it happens. It's like, is parking going to go well? What's the experience going to be like? Um, so that part was interesting, but I, I feel like that was probably one of the best experiences in my career is getting to close the old arena and open the new one that next fall. Um, and the processes that we put together, the success from the revenue side, like the way we were selling was. Yeah. You guys crushed um, it. Yeah. But that was the new arena, you know? So then pivoting after that was, I think the big thing, cause it wasn't the new arena anymore. It was right. arena. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Courtney, you've certainly had a successful career and something I've always admired about you and, and no different than why you agreed to share your story on this podcast. It's it's very important for you to always give back in this industry, whether that's being a mentor or being on panels to provide value information. So why is it so important for you to give back? You know, I had a lot of people give to me when I first started out. And even to this day, there's so many people I could text to hop on a call and get their advice and they'd take that time. And so I think seeing people make that a priority in my growth made me feel like I I would want to do the same thing for anybody else coming in. And so I do bi-weekly mentor mentor calls with people across the industry. I'm available through text call whenever. And so I think it can be really fulfilling if that's something you're passionate about and you can learn from anybody, whether they're an account executive at a team or the president of a team, like everybody has critical knowledge that you can both share with each other. Absolutely. And, and I remember when I first met you and, and we started talking about mutual contacts and it seems like everyone I've ever asked if they knew you or have worked for you, they always say the same thing. She's a nice person, really cares about her people and, and the people around her. And so what advice would you give to both leaders in the industry on how to treat their team members and also for those team members on identifying characteristics on what they want to be when they become a leader or around leaders? Yeah, I think you have to do less of the talking when you get to know people like ask them the questions. Don't tell them what to do, but ask them and help them come to the conclusion. I think one of the biggest things I've learned is there could be a singular outcome and there's 10 different ways to get to it. And how I would get to it could be different than how you would. So why, why would I direct you on how to do that when you may enjoy doing it this way and get the same outcome, if not a better one. And so I think that's really important and I should take my own advice in this, but being authentic is easier said than done, but being authentic with everybody and owning who you are, um, I think resonates with, you know, a side of vulnerability right. all the time, everybody. Right. You think back to, you know, to your life now and your, your career and you kind of how we kicked it off on the intro of you were always around sports. You're always around business. Like as you look back at your career, are there some things that you think back growing up, whether it be from sports or from your mom or dad who were both successful industry execs that, hey, you know what? This stuck with me and this is why, you know, I'm either making my family proud or, hey, this is something I'm really focused on continuing to do. Yeah. I mean, with family, like I see how proud my parents are of just our family and, you know, what they've been able to put together and what they've committed to. And I think I want to feel that too and and continue to, to build that. So I think that's a big one. I think for me, I've received so much feedback on things and those things have stuck with me. You know, my college coach told me I was very nonchalant and had no emotion. And so that was like, 
hard to hear, but I think that's stuck with me even as I've gotten into leadership because I am a very direct person. And if I'm always direct, I'm scared a lot of people. And so you got to be tailored. So right. um, I think there's a ton that I could dive into. So looking back, Courtney, at your entire career, what has been your best memory? My best memory. Um, gosh, there's so many, Travis. I would say opening the arena um, was probably my favorite memory. Um, you know, I think when you open a new arena, typically you see some people leave afterwards because it's accomplished. And I think about the group we had for that and the leadership and the, the staff, and it was just such a phenomenal time. Um, everybody was bought in, everybody hustled, everybody wanted the best for each other. There was, there was growth happening left and right. It was, and then to see the fans in Sacramento, which are like unreal. I mean, they haven't made the playoffs in right. over a decade and you had these crazy fans there that were like diehard for the Kings. Like it was just yeah. out of this world experience. I don't experience. know. Yeah. Again. As you think back of opening the arena, was there a meeting that sticks out of like, when you kind of looked yourself in the mirror, like, why am I in this meeting? Like, how did this happen? Or like, this is the craziest thing I've been a part of. Uh, um, you know, I bet, I think like I referenced this earlier, but there's so much unknown and we would yeah. sit, I would have, it would be more than one meeting. We would sit there and talk about things we were never going to have the answers to until we opened the arena. And Travis, I'd be sitting there and like my anxiety level would go higher and higher and higher. Cause I'm like, I, I don't know what we're going to do. Right. So I open the arena. I'm the manager of inside sales. So like my decision-making power is not the same. So I'm like in this meeting, just sitting there. <laughs> right. Cause I'm trying to think and predict what the future is going to hold. What strategy can I put together six months into leadership? That's going to be like life-changing. Then there's no silver bullet. Right. Oh, yeah, what, what a fun experience. Recording, this has been great. Certainly appreciate your time. And to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite item you've purchased this past year? Um, my husband and I just bought a house in Dallas. So I think that's going to be my favorite purchase this year. Yeah, absolutely. If you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Hands down, pulled pork sandwiches, but... My husband, Matt, has a rec tech, which is a smoker. So yep. he has to make them at home. So, okay, so it's not going to a restaurant. It's the home cooked pulled pork. Nice. If you could travel to one place, where would it be? Um, you know, I think I'd go to West Coast, Ireland. I have roots in Ireland. I would love to travel. I've heard it's beautiful there. Um, so that's probably where I would I would go next. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Well, Courtney, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Yeah, um, be authentic. I think it's okay to, to feel like an imposter and have to, to fake it until you make it a little bit. I would say the second one is find allies and sponsors and mentors that not only you can help, but they can help you as well. It's two-way street. And then I think the third one is get uncomfortable. And I'm sorry, I've said that a lot. No, it's, it's, that's such a key. And I, I couldn't, you know, agree more with your three, you know, being authentic, being that genuine, just good person, um, you know, finding those allies and mentors. And, and yes, you're absolutely right. We've talked about it several times throughout this podcast, but being uncomfortable, doing the, the things that maybe others around you would be nervous doing. But, but getting to yourself in that situation. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. You've certainly been great. I, I appreciate all the advice and certainly your time and expertise. Thank you. It's been awesome.
Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.